millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
that song, that music is just phenomenal and it is specially composed by Jimmy Brocky and that particular piece is called Vince's Theme and here on Cork's 96FM and C103 I'm delighted to be welcoming live into studio Marion Wyatt and Mario Donovan who are here to talk about a really, really, really really special uh, play that's opening in the Cork Arts Theatre. Um, we've kind of talked a little bit about this before, Marion. It is the story of Catty Barry. And I was saying to Connor, you know, coming into the car, I said to him, like, what do you know about Catty Barry? And he said, well, he knew the photograph mm-hmm. uh, that everyone has seen of Catty Barry and, uh, you know, associated her with maybe the Shawleys and the Cole K. But that was kind of it. And I said, you know, when I was reading up ahead of the two of you coming in, and even after we've talked already before about this play, I think that photograph of Katy Barry as an older lady does no justice whatsoever to the life, the legacy and the incredible woman that she was. Because people will know uh, that photograph, she's kind of giving a side eye to the photographer, isn't she? And, you know, she has hairs on her chin and Mm -hmm. she's older and it's obviously, you know, towards the end of her life. And that was a very difficult part of her life. And I actually think it's awful that that's the, the image that's really published of her so much, isn't it? It is, but it's... It's it's a very real photograph. It was one of the last photographs taken of, uh, uh, um, of her. And then you see, I saw a photograph of her when she was young and when she was wearing fur coats yeah. and when she was had that poise and stature about her of a very, a very uh, graceful uh, person. And you see, you bring up the photos there, and it's fantastic because that's what actually triggered my interest. Yeah. My question to myself was, how does a woman who dressed like this, who stood like this with so much confidence and had such a sparkle in her eye, ended up in that photograph where that we, people likened her to a witch? Mm. You could still see the sparkle in her eye, the boldness there, but life, something had happened yeah, and that's because I didn't know much about Cady Barry either, and and also then that just sent me on a journey and it, another journey, Marion, a deep dive into into Cork history, which like you know I absolutely love, um, but like. A, a, a woman, a woman's life and like you obviously wrote the Sunbeam Girls and uh, explored what life was like for, for so many women in Cork but but this one story mm-hmm. of, of a woman who was captured at, you know, at maybe one of her lowest points really in that photograph. Yes. Yeah. And, and it actually was her birthday on that particular day and we, we have a, a very brief scene in the play where she celebrates her birthday alone. And again for someone who was very gregarious and welcoming to people of all ages and all walks of life to have ended up in a bar on alone. Own, on, alone on her birthday. That posed another question. And now I know people become reclusive as they grow older. Mm. and But also, I think she became somewhat of a, a nuisance maybe. But the, because of the fact that she, uh, unfortunately, towards the, the latter days of her life, became disorientated um, because of her, you know, she liked to drink and uh, maybe that was why it was hard for me to get all the information I needed. Mm. And I know I spoke to you about this before because she was protected very much and taken care of by the people in the community. And even to this day, when I speak about her, 
Um, it took a while, didn't it, Marie, yeah. for for people to actually trust us to tell the story in a way that would actually be, would show that she wasn't a witch, um, that she didn't go around the place ranting and raving, that life had just dealt her a, a tough card. Okay, and so, do you know, Marie, will you take us back then to the younger days of this, you know, beautiful, striking woman who held court... Yeah. Let's face it, and had people coming from all over to sit uh, and, you know, drink in her shebeen and uh, all the rest of it. I think she's like in her younger days, like when she took over the shop on Dalton's Avenue when she, uh, when in 1947, how much of a businesswoman she was and an entrepreneur and how how much power that she held over so many people and that she didn't need a man to tell her what to do or she refused to let men tell her what to do. She was the one in control of her own life and her business and of many people. Mm-hmm. Um, she was so intelligent. It's beyond her years, beyond her era as well, you know, for a woman back then to decide that marriage and children were not the route for her and she... She would keep her business going and have more businesses and businesses on the side. You know, it's just amazing. She was, yeah, it's just so fascinating. And like, as Marion said, in her later life, I think what what I find the most interesting or intriguing about her as a character of for someone to be so powerful at one point and then for it to disappear and what her life turned into at the end, it's just this huge arc and yeah. maybe you know, it's almost a little bit more heartbreaking because she was so powerful and then in the end, she when she lost it all, you know, when um, her shebeen was closed down in 1967, it was, like that, it was like that was the beginning of the end for her. It was you know? the end of an era in mm. Cork as well, but for her personal story, I mean, like anything that I've read about her always makes reference to the fact that, you know, she was renowned for people would be coming to eat the crew beans and the tripe mm. and everything like that, but that she was selling, you know, plenty alcohol without yeah. a license, was constantly fined for it, but because half of her customers were judges and solicitors and lawyers yeah. and... She got away know, with it all. She did. Yeah. And But like, what a, a charismatic personality she must have had. I mean, that they weren't coming back because her crew beans were so bloody no, fantastic. I wouldn't you know? think so. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, to have that kind of charisma as a woman to hold and maintain and attract and keep that loyalty uh, in all of those customers, you know, uh, in a little street off the coal quay and to have that community for decades, actually. Yeah, she was very cultured, you see, and she 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 enjoyed reading. She was very well read and um, she could hold her own in any argument and she was well up on sports and all the headlines. And if she was really busy in the Shebeen, I think this is lovely, she'd pay for the pot boys who were was helping her to go to the local cinemas to see whatever uh, film was, you know, the most recent hit come back. And then they'd tell her all about it so that whoever came in that night, she could have converse with them. Wow. And she never missed from the time that the Cork Film Festival opened in Cork, she never missed it. She was always there. And they would have and, called to her too. And they could <laughs> the, you see that was what was intriguing as well. It was a night it was like an, an unnamed nightclub. It's where people could go to get a late night late night drink or mm-hmm. um which she denied of course. A lemonade. A lemonade. That's oh, all yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was 
also uh, the fact that she was educated as well was she she, she was lucky um, and we 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 make sure to highlight that in the script as well that she was lucky because her mother ran this little huckster shop. So her mother herself before her exactly ran a shop and she you know the way. yeah 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 and her parents made sure that she, she went to school um, so she got and she the education going to school mm. yeah yeah and the um, according to the, the census her parents' house was also a boarding house so she would have met a lot of various people from various walks of life growing up and that would have influenced how she was said that, you know, judges and things called her a sheeping, but it was like all walks of life. She was comfortable. She was talking. able to yeah. yeah. High yeah. up or low down, she had yeah. a conversation and, and 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 like I said, this incredible, charismatic, powerful, popular, renowned, uh, conversant woman uh, to be reduced. I feel you know is is so awful in this. I suppose this this photograph, which is the most published photograph mm. of her, uh, you know, at the end of her life when everything had fallen apart and mm-hmm. you know she had lost so much including a lot of her own mind mm-hmm. yeah. as well uh, isn't it just desperate like she only died in the 80s wasn't it yeah 82 and but what's wonderful for us we met we've met members of our family yeah. her nephew yeah. and her okay. grandnies and they can recall the grandnies and grandnephew coming home from England once a year in the month of August around her birthday and she would they'd be bringing little gifts to her but Behind their father's back, then they she'd be giving them money to go and get the toffee apples. So her nephew would save up money to give to her, and she'd give it back to them. Yeah, she was so good to children. The, the the children in the community who had to leave school early because of poverty of <clears throat> or lack of vision or whatever, she educated them in the sense that she was very practical. She'd get them picking up the sticks to count the sticks, wrap them up in a bit of an elastic. Sticks to use for like candy apples and stuff. And she paid them little a percentage. And so she was teaching them business acumen as well. And also she was providing them maybe with a comic and mm. connecting the comic to the cinema maybe. And that was lovely. I mean, to actually have somewhere to go uh, where a child could go in and feel safe. And she was constantly looking out for those. Because when I was interviewing people to do with the Echo Boys... They remembered her giving them boots because they had no shoes to wear. And then when she was asked where she get the boots, with oh, one of my buddies. Her, so she had buddies yeah. everywhere. Mm. That barter system was a, a huge part. A huge part. The medical students used to look yeah. after her, anybody who was sick in the community because she was feeding them. She'd feed them for free <laughs> as long as they took care of the poor families in the community. And they never charged her a penny. Mm. Yeah. And she was so well up on the GEA and all the sports and all of that. That's a whole, that really. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. You know, mm. just, and, and I'm, that is like literally scratching the surface, I'm sure, mm. of the stories and the aspects to her character that you discovered in researching for the script and that you discovered then in working on it for mm. performance. Yeah. And to, to take on this iconic act, you know, part as a, as an actress, Marie, in fairness, is, uh, I suppose a dream role. It's a treat, really. yeah. It's yeah. an absolute treat and even just outside of who she is as a person, the role itself, having to have such an arc as you're playing through it from, you know, the strong younger woman to the older woman or to the, the woman who's losing it um, is a joy, you know, that, that um, you know, emotionally taxing, but I relish it. It's, it's, yeah, like you said, it's a it's a dream role, and then because yeah. it's it's Cathy Barry, 
you know, this woman in Cork, this this woman who is so renowned by a certain generation, you know. But then there's so many people who don't know about her mm-hmm. and it's it's an absolute delight to be educating people about her and sharing her story with the world and, you know, talking to many people, um, researching her. People had different stories of her from her, like Marion was saying, from her nephew and her grandnephew and niece who saw her once a year to the people in the community who saw her daily and took care of her in later years yeah. to the man who used to collect the rent off her in corporation buildings. Everyone had a different view of her. Mm. Like he used to say that she reminded him of Peg Sayers when he called <laughs> okay. to the door, you know. Um, know. But he didn't see any of the, I suppose, the the, the sadness at the end, you know, the, the, the part that the people in the community had to shield the outside from. Okay, um, because you know, like like you mentioned, the corporation buildings, like that's that's the thing that those buildings were torn down uh, in the sixties, and that was the end of her home, her mm-hmm. shop, her business, and everything like that. And uh, you know, so many kind of uh, buildings that were run down, and you know, and on the point of dereliction, but they still had families and people living in them, and kind of like literally scraping by, and like it was such an arc for an actress for you, you know, to portray, you know, that strength and that youth and that vigour and that formidable intellect and everything that she had, as well as this older lady who, like, you know, would have been shouting and developing, mm. you know, a, she was drinking more regularly, a few times a day in and out and that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and people who would have come across her without knowing who she was or her story, you know, very dismissive or critical and... And we, do, we don't judge her in the play in that sense. We, I think the play, well, what I tried to do was to set out to have people understand why that happened. And I think that the loneliness as well, um, and it's, it's quite a common story in that a lot of people had to leave their homes right through different periods of time in this city and beyond. And in that relocation, Um, there's a loneliness that comes with it, an isolation that comes with it. And for her, having been so vibrant and so full of energy, she felt that people had been disloyal, that they Mm. didn't fight more, that they didn't take on the powers that be um, to have their voice be heard. Especially with families who would have left the area, taken the better houses elsewhere. Mm -hmm. She couldn't understand why they were abandoning the community. And that they, they weren't standing and, and taking them on mm. to actually take on the powers that be. And I think that that has a resonance as well for, you know, a contemporary resonance and that she was ahead of her time in that sense as well. It's like, speak, speak, don't be afraid. And she yeah. tells the men, it tells the women to tell the men get their own dinner. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> Shock and all. <laughs> I have to take a quick break just for time uh, but when we come back we're going to tell people where they can book tickets oh, and, yeah. and see this incredible story. Back after these. Cork's 96FM and C103. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes. Feeding Cork families with delicious Griffin's New Seasons Queens. From throw-in to final whistle, from league to championship and from club to county. Get in-depth coverage of all your favourite Gaelic games only in the Irish Examiner. Read our experts including Anthony Daly, Eamon Fitzmaurice, Eamon Ryan, Therese O'Callaghan, Owen Cadigan, Liam Sheedy, James Horan and many more. 
for unrivaled sports coverage by the Irish Examiner in store or subscribe at irishexaminer.com Cupra for mentor two words causing quite a stir because this car stops you in your tracks even when it's standing still but that's what it was designed to do make a stunning first impression and what's more with the offers now available in July there are zero reasons not to choose the Cupra for mentor see our incredible offers at cupraofficial.ie Hi, I'm Courtney McGuire, National Marathon Champion. The hugely popular Irish Life Dublin Race Series is on again this summer. The Frank Duffy 10 Mile will take place in Phoenix Park on Saturday, August 19th at 9am and is open to runners of all abilities. If you're looking for a summer running challenge, book your place and sign up at irishlifedublinmarathon.ie. Each finisher gets a Ron Hill technical t-shirt and goodie bag. And if you've signed up to the Irish Life Dublin Marathon on Bank Holiday Sunday, October 29th, it's the perfect way to build up for the big day. The Arts House on Cork's 96FM and C103. And you're very welcome to back to the programme. Joined live in studio by Marion Wyatt and Marie O'Donovan. We're chatting about Cathy Barry, which opens at the Cork Arts Theatre. And uh, really, we only have time to let people know when it's on and uh, how to get tickets, really. Mm -hmm. Well, it opens on Wednesday the 2nd of August and it runs until Saturday the 5th. There's a matinee on the Thursday and the Friday uh, with part of the lunchtime series, uh, summer series in the Cork Arts Theatre. So that's it really. I know that all the lunches are gone, but there are tickets still available for the matinees, um, you know, but you, you won't get a lunch on that, but that's... That's okay. You That's bring okay. Your own you can. Yeah. Why not come in for the chat? I, I see. The thing is, just to kind of get home to people. Like this is not the first run out for this play. It has sold out. You you did it online during lockdown, and there was such a huge response to it then as well. So, like, if people have any interest at all, all we can say to them is absolutely book and go. I can't believe you're only in for the four four days. That's crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Connor, before we wrap up, will you give us a quick lineup of what's happening the last couple of bits and pieces, maybe? Yeah, well, just heading over to West Cork and uh, I can hear simpiano.com. This is coming to my mind at the moment straight away. Just go there straight away and find out about David Symes' living room concert in his home. It's a glorious event happens nearly on a monthly basis at this stage and don't don't forget his wife's cooking as well as part of it as well. All the desserts, so, my yeah, god. So signpiano.com catch David Simon action, please please. Also the West Cork Fit Up Festival is coming to a close and Michael Patrick is closing it and being a man from Newmarket himself He's telling the story of Sean Moylan, Irish revolutionary, written and directed by him as well. Now, if you don't remember, Michael Patrick was in Colin Kuhn, who's in Smother, very well-known actor altogether, highest calibre possible. You get the story of the ambushes, the guerrilla tactics, the West Cork that was, or if you want to catch the West Cork that is at the moment, David Sign. Can we also just remind you, of course, that in celebration of the reopening of Crowley's Music Centre on Friar Street in Cork, and as a tribute to the late Michael Crowley, and um, they're going to be doing a series of concerts in Triscoll. Each concert is focusing on one instrument. The first concert is focusing on the accordion. So it's Molly and McGowan with an accordion and guitar mix of trad music and new compositions. And uh, that's on Friday this week in Triscoll. And don't forget Ross Moore Drama are running their summer comedy every Thursday and Sunday. So check out Kill Means. They're doing Thy Will Be Done. Sounds like an absolute hoot. Hysterical Histories, of course, is running right the way through to the 24th of 
August, but I think there's only about nine performances of that left. So, uh, oh yeah, Marie? Yeah. There's ten performances, I'm also in a Ten performances, I know you're actually also in it. Yeah, I hadn't your mic on there, sorry about that. So you're double-jobbing left, right and centre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't get a chance to say that to you, actually. And uh, I want to say uh, one of the other things to remind you, of course, this Wednesday is the first Wednesday of the month, which means Charles Fort will be free this Wednesday and uh, so will Garnish Island and so will Donna Real Estate. That's it from us until next Sunday. Hope you have a great, great week. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.